0: I am so, 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 so excited to share our first episode of 2024, where we are starting our winter series. So, for those of you who don't know, I dropped an episode on New Year's Eve of 2023 and said that I felt very compelled to make sure that we started our new year, really setting ourselves up for success as love addicts and love avoidance and those who struggle with love deprivation and all the trauma that comes with that. I wanted to make sure that we set ourselves up to reach all the goals that we have, whether or not it is all intra-personally, so within our relationship with ourselves, in our relationships with others, what we feel like it, we are capable of and deserving of in our career, in our finances, and of course, in love. And for us to do that, I wanted us to, do, to have a special focus on the things that I feel like as love addicts, a lot of times can set us behind. And so for the next, we're going to have a four-part series where we're going to focus on things regarding our relationship with ourselves, things regarding our relationships with our mothers, our mother wound trauma. And of course, family trauma will be a part of that. We're going to look at our relationship with money, which is so, so personal, so intimate. And I've been talking about was talking about money trauma for uh, maybe a couple of years now. And so I'm really excited that this is finally going to happen. And we're going to talk about, um, you know, poverty trauma. We're going to talk about workaholism. We're going to talk about under earning. We're going to talk about all the ways that our maybe struggles with senses of sense of self or with security and again, trauma will show up in our everyday life. And then of course, as always, we are going to talk about our interpersonal relationships in romantic context with a special focus on men. So we are starting off today, the first episode in our, I'm calling, each of the months have their own little nicknames. And so if you've downloaded the guide, there is a free guide for you to download, to follow along, to have access to notes, um, supportive questions, and things like that. You can go to blackgirlsheal.org slash 2024. And so in the guide, many of you have already seen this, but I have given little nicknames to each of the parts of this series. So we have our Me Month our mama month or our mama trauma month, our money month, and then our man month. And so this is our first episode for our me month. And so for today's episode, we are going to be talking about detachment or non-attachment versus avoidance. So our relationship with ourselves, we can see and kind of measure and take a temperature of how we feel about ourselves And where we are in our self-worth and what we feel like we're worthy of and how we react or don't react to the things around us. And so today that's kind of what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what is the difference between us having a healthy sense of non-attachment versus being avoidant. And um, just as a disclaimer, I know that in a lot of contexts and a lot of um, maybe therapeutic spaces, detachment is a bad word. Detachment is what you don't want to be. Detachment is more akin to being avoidant and completely cutting off your emotions and everything. Because I know in a lot of popular culture, non-attachment and detachment are used interchangeably. So if anyone were to get on TikTok or, you know, see a youtube video or something that talks about what i'm going to encourage y'all to pursue i wanted to make sure that folks don't shy away from that so that is why i'm using those two words interchangeably that is that disclaimer but let's go ahead and jump on in thanks for listening to this week's podcast before we get started let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Attention to all my proud plant parents. It is time to give all of your plant babies the best nutrition you can starting from the bottom up, and that starts with the best soil to help them grow happy, nourished, and strong. Post of Maine is an organic soil brand that is approved for organic growing and has been sourced from ocean waters and farms for over 28 years. With a full range of products to support every garden and lawn, Post of Maine products are made to restore roots to the natural world. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, By adding Costa Main products, it will help regenerate the healthy microbes on your soil and set you up for gardening success. And if you have a vegetable garden, not only do you benefit via an abundant harvest, but find that there is less need to maintain and feed throughout your season. Costa Main continually perfects the art and science of sourcing, mixing, and composting products worthy of the people and place that inspired their brand and the healthier world it was built to serve. Costa Main believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. So when people talk about or teach about detachment or non-attachment, there's a lot of a lot of different avenues and contexts you can come from. And so when I was thinking about which one of the ones I wanted to choose from, I was thinking about when it comes to love addicts and, of course, love avoidance, but specifically love addicts and our high sensitivity to maybe rejection or abandonment and things like that what is underlying that or what part of the fear is or the experience that we really hate to have is being disappointed. Disappointed that the thing that we long the most for, that we yearn for, that we crave for is so elusive to us that it is just outside our reach or it feels super far away. That it feels like no matter what we try, no matter how much we try to um, ascend or heal or be a a better person or not really care about things, it feels like what we want and what we need is really out of our grasp. And if that is not such a mirror to our trauma and having our needs withheld from us, whether or not it was physical needs, physical protection, resources, food, um, money, clothing, you know, just care, or if it was emotional neglect and just really needing, craving someone to look us in the eyes, to care about us, to hug us, to tell us they love us just because to, you know, and so all those things being withheld just feels very, very familiar for the love addict. And so when you're in your adult life and you are supposedly in your own supposedly you are supposed to be able to control what's around you and you have your own agency and to still feel like you're not able to get what you want and what you need, it triggers that, that sense of trauma and it tr- triggers that sense of um, either not being good enough or the world doesn't work out for you or other people get resources and things that you don't get to have or whatever other message for you that that sparks for you. And that is very painful and so, what the love addicts will do is go from one extreme of over of unbounded hope and optimism. So, I'm going to take this really outlandish or impossible situation, or maybe to say it a better way, this situation or person or thing that is giving off a lot of red flags and Maybe I'm going to hold out a lot of hope for it. I'm going to work for it. I'm going to work with what I have in front of me to try to make this come to pass. And I'm going to keep moving forward and be persistent. And I'm going to do everything I can on my side, but I'm really going to hold on. So they will go from that extreme or we can go from that extreme to the other extreme, which is avoiding and avoiding all these feelings to avoid the disappointment and the pain that comes with having that hope. So that can look like repressing, excuse me, repressing these emotions or these desires. So, you know, I really, I don't care. That's not even what I want in the first place or suppressing it. So, you know that you want it, but you're actively choosing to just let it go. Avoiding this disappointment by keeping really busy and focusing on the things that you can't control. I've said before that for a lot of times in the, in the, The circles that I run in or in the circles that a lot of my students run in, there are a lot of us who are professionals. And so when there's one area of our life that is not really acting right, uh, we know how to master the areas of our career or maybe we are very socially adept. And so we may go out and try to um, feel accomplished or have control over that or our hobbies or something else. We may also try to avoid disappointment or being hurt by stopping things. So sabotaging things before they get too far. Um, we may be physically present in something, but not allow ourselves to be emotionally present and grounded. So we're not really going to get our hopes up and expect for this thing to last and to stay. And we are because we just expect for it to go away. One of the ways that I kind of see this play out in our popular culture right now in social media and trends is when I women when I see women say something to the effect of, I am not going to allow myself to be happy in this relationship with this man because I know as soon as I start to trust him and to let these walls down that he's going to do something that's going to completely, completely disappoint me. And while I understand and I align with you not romanticizing and making someone the one and your soulmate in your head when you don't even know them, you're you're just getting started and you have not really seen them. Um, You haven't seen y'all go through hard times and good times and see how it actually, like, see if they actually stay consistent. That doesn't feel like that's the message that people are actually communicating when they say, I'm not going to hold my breath. It's more like, I'm expecting this to fail. I'm expecting you to break my heart. And so I'm waiting for that to happen. And We know we've already talked about self-fulfilling prophecies. A lot of times we get exactly what we're looking for. Um, But I also understand based on everything that I already shared is you're kind of in this catch 22. So I'm supposed to have hope for things. But then when I do have hopes, I get completely heartbroken and disappointed. But then it's my fault that things don't work out because I'm not having enough hope, but I already know how it's going to work out. So then what am I supposed to do? You're totally in a double bind. And um, I absolutely connect to that and validate that. And we're going to talk a little bit more about why non-attachment could be a better alternative versus expecting and having energy around looking for defeat and heartbreak. Maybe that energy can be put in a different place that feels more secure and safe for you, whether or not the relationship works out or not, so that your trauma is not reinforced. And then of course, just expecting for it to not happen altogether. So where one scenario is something has come towards you that you really want and that you really desire and you're expecting for it to go left. You got a new job. You're waiting to see how crazy the coworkers are. You're waiting for the next shoe to drop. And this other scenario is that you are just expecting for good things to not come to you at all. And so that's part of your self-protection. And so the thing about this is, love addicts, when we are either just starting out or when we are, you know, still growing and learning about how this presents in our life, love addicts, for the most part, we have an external locus of control. Our happiness is based on what is happening outside of us. That gives us evidence of how safe we are, how good we are, how worthy we are if we're on the right track based on what is happening outside of us. So depending on what our relationship status is and relationship status does not just mean um, single, married, cohabitating in a um, multi-partner relationship and polyamorous relationship. It could mean also in my current relationship are things like super romantic or are, are things kind of Boring and day to day and ho hum, or all things are the things toxic right now. So, depending on whatever status is most important to you, uh, that depends, that dictates how you feel about yourself and how safe you feel in your body. Other things that can be examples of locus of control are if people are happy with us and if we are being well liked by others, if we're receiving compliments or gifts or attention or time. Um, Depending on our financial status, that shows whether or not we are good enough or capable enough or safe enough or wise enough. And if we have a certain number of perceived accomplishments. So especially for those of us who may identify with, with perfectionism, we have to always stay winning. And so as long as I stay winning and as long as even if I lose, it still looks like I win, then I'm good. But any type of perceived failure or setback or things that don't really work out with ease, it'll completely disrupt how we feel with ourselves. It's very external. And, you know, that works out well when you are, quote unquote, winning, when you feel like you're winning, but that is so subjective. It's subjective based on the opinions of others. It's subjective based on your own opinion. And even in that, your own opinion is based on something that's flimsy and the goalpost is always moving. And so it actually comes from an inherent belief that you're not good enough on your own. So you need these external things to validate that you're good enough. So it doesn't matter how much you win or how good you are or how many people you have around you or how much love you have around you, because you don't feel like you're good. You're never going to feel good. There's never going to be an end. There's never going to be anything that actually satisfies you and you but it doesn't feel that way. Again, it feels like it's so close. It feels like my satisfaction is right on the other end of, insert dream here. So again, when the inevitable ebb and flow of life or ebb and flow of whatever it is that you have called in and that you want, or even just things you get, you get used to things a lot. You know, people talk about how, let's say you partner with someone who is really attractive. After some time, you get used to their face. So they're not You know, they're, they're so attractive to you, but it's also just a a normal face in your life, you know, I hope that makes sense. And so whatever, whatever it is, I'm just trying to give examples of over time, once you're not getting that endorphin hit, that adrenaline hit, like that, that dopamine hit from whatever it is that you've called into your life or that you've been desiring, then you can start to, to falter a little bit, or your sense of safety can start to falter a little bit and you will look for more. You'll look for more reassurance that everything's okay, that you're enough. And if or when you do not find it, you will start to feel like there's something wrong with you. If I was good enough, this would always be good. If I was savvy enough, this would always be good. If I worked hard enough, I would always have enough. If I was confident enough, fill in the blank. So when we are in places, situations, whatever, that are not working out how we want, and it is bringing to mind our negative core beliefs that there is something wrong with us, then we will, if we can't fix it by doing all of our kind of anxious behavior and really trying to like overwork and overcompensate and everything for it, then we will try to go to avoidance. So we will go from, we think that, okay, I know that I'm doing too much in this area. I know that I'm feeling too much in this area. Let me just try to either distract myself and be really busy or just not care about it or just say, you know, don't pay attention to it because then maybe it'll, it'll lose some of the intensity around it. But in the same way, you may have heard the phrase that the opposite of love is not hate. You know, you think that those are two extremes. And so if you want to go from really, having feelings for someone or something that you need to go towards hating them and staying angry at them, they're actually one and the same. They are both really intense emotions and focus and, and, um, reactions to person, place or thing. So even though you've switched from infatuation to, to hatred or to anger, you are still putting a whole lot of emphasis and focus and attention onto that person, right? They're still dominating your mind and your heart and and your brain waves. And so the actual opposite to love is neutrality for balance. And so in this context with you're working through some disappointment that makes you feel some kind of way that what you have and what you crave for and what you need seems very outside of your reach. The goal is not to, the opposite of that is not to distract yourself or to not care. It is for you to get to a place of balance, a place where you feel safe and secure and affirmed no matter what is happening around you. Now, when something good is happening, oh, awesome. When something not so good is happening around you, awesome. And also your definition of of what is good and what is not so good changes as well, because now you within yourself are good. So other people's reactions are their own. They don't dictate or define whether or not what you are doing is the right thing and if you're on the right path. And same thing, so that's in inter, in interpersonal relationships, but that's also around your circumstances. So I'm not going to let outside circumstances dictate whether or not I feel like I'm on the right path or not on the right path, okay? So these are all the things... I think one of the things that I've shared in some episodes leading up to this is this ongoing trend of women kind of having this kind of exodus moment and exiting a lot of that our sense of self is based on external factors, i.e. relationships, and really trying to refocus on themselves. And I think that's why the concept of self-romance and everything has really kind of sparked a lot of interest because what people have been saying for the longest time is true, is, is becoming one of the main messages that we hear that you are the one who's in charge of your own happiness, that you are the one, you're the only one who can actually make you happy. And so the more you pursue that, the happier you are, the more is called in. And this is for everyone, including those who are in uh, romantic partnerships as well. I'm focusing on that because that's what this podcast is about, love addiction, love avoidance, and romantic, and I mean, all relationships, but especially romantic relationships. And so even those who are in long-term partnerships with their besties, with their best friends, they still have to find what makes them happy. They still have to find Um, And maintain their own identity so that they can be full people and so that they do not put all this extra pressure on this other human to be their everything, right? So the work still stays. And when you start to lose yourself and you start to lose your identity and over-depend on on that self-validation and self-esteem and put that on the other person who has their own personal work to do, that creates cracks in the relationship. Of course, there's the mutual relationship and friendship and and attention and care that happens, but the kind of a of abandonment of yourself in hopes that someone else picks it all up um, is is a lot, and and it's too much for for a long term relationship to maintain. And I have to say that in that context, because I think some of us want to pursue self-romance truly for ourselves, truly because we want to get to know this woman, this this creature, this treasure that we are, that people, circumstances, life has told us is not good enough. And we really want to come home to her. We really want to embody her. We really want to feel that peace within her and within ourselves. And there are some of us who, whether or not we are conscious of it or not, We will hear someone say, well, once you're fully content with yourself, then that's when love will find you. And so it is actually an incentive. Like, okay, I'll find myself, but I'll find my person too. And so that's the incentive for self-love. And I think either way, whatever your incentive is, as long as you find yourself, then you're good. Mm -hmm. Right, And so that's why at the end of this month, we are going to be doing a workshop on self-romance and learning how to become fulfilled within ourselves, because this is such an important important task for us forever, for the rest of our lives, to know how to be in touch with who we are, what we want, and give ourselves the com- comfort, nurturance, and love that we need um, to be healthily detached from a lot of these things that for probably most of our life have been throwing us back and forth. You know, I'm only good when these good things are happening. And then I feel bad when these bad things are happening and we want to be more planted and on solid ground so that we can be in our most abundant state in all of our relationships. Hey, uh, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so I have a question for you. On a scale of zero to five, where zero is, I don't think about it at all, and five is I'm fully connected, how on top of your hormone health are you? If you say zero to one, it is time to build that connection. Your hormones and your cycle are central to your overall functioning and regulating your body will completely transform your mental, emotional, and physical health. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. And even though it helps for more than just menopause, Hormone Harmony is great for any horrible menopausal symptoms that put a woman's life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, raising thoughts, low mood, poor sleep, feeling tired all the time, bloating and gas, lower sexual desire. Hormone Harmony can help with all of those things. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com, Just use the code BGH at checkout. So with that said, for this episode, with us talking about the difference between non-attachment, detachment, and avoidance, I want to give you all three things. I want to give you all three things to keep in mind for you to know the difference and for you to pay attention to how this looks like in your everyday life and take with you going forward. And again, you can take notes on this in our 2024 guide at blackgirlsheal.org slash 2024. It is a free download and I will be updating it as we go along and you'll be able to see a sneak preview of the other lessons that we have coming up as well. So some of these are probably going to sound kind of basic or like duh, but if they were so basic and duh, then we would have mastered them by now. So sometimes it's the thing where we can logically know something, but it is what that looks like in our life that makes it hard. Or when we look at how things are showing up in our life, it kind of what we think we've already mastered, then when we look at our reaction, then we're like, okay, maybe I haven't mastered this. Maybe this is something that I actually do need to work on. So the first thing for you to know when it comes to non-attachment versus avoidance is that your opinion of yourself is the most important. It is the most important thing. Is the only thing that you can control. And when you spend a lot of time trying to fixate on the opinions of other people, whether or not someone likes you, whether or not someone dates you, whether or not, or wants to date you, whether or not someone thinks that your trauma or your background is too much, whether or not someone thinks your sense of humor or your laughter is too much, whether or not someone thinks that your your sarcasm or your way of viewing the world is too mean or critical, whether or not someone thinks that your personality or personal sense of style or way that you want to decorate your home or dress is too eccentric and too, um, Nonsensical for them, whether or not they think that you tell stories that are way too long, or whether or not they think that your sense of humor is way too dry. You know, people are always going to have opinions, and we we all know that. But I think. Many of us have sensitivities to certain parts of our lives that maybe other people don't have. So I just listed a whole bunch of things that maybe there's someone who's listening who really doesn't care about at all. But if I were to start to talk about your career and your money status, it is very important to you what your parents think about you. It is very important to you what your colleagues think, you know, and the other circles that you run in because. Maybe you have mastered some areas of your life, but there are other areas of your life that are very vulnerable, that you have not mastered the idea of what I think about myself is the most important. So when there is a trigger of someone who is not either as validating, you notice like a slight twitch in their eyes when you're talking about something, Um, you feel very sensitive to whether or not you are included versus excluded in things that's how you know that you are not really focused and not really grounded in your opinion of yourself on whether or not you like yourself and whether or not you are proud of yourself, right? Whether or not you celebrate yourself, right? How often do you look in the mirror and say, I'm so proud of you? How often just on a random Tuesday, do you say, you know what, girl, I'm celebrating you because you have done this, this, and this. And you you can actually list off, you can rattle off things, reasons why you were amazing. And when you do that, you feel in your body, you feel it from the top of your head down to your toes. That same rush, going back to our experience as love addicts, that same rush that you get when that person looks you in the eyes that you really like, or when they send you you know, for those of you who are text girls and really love to get texts or really love to get gifts or the acts of service or whatever is your way of receiving love, when you get that from that person, can you give yourself that same type of rush by turning into yourself, right? Does the idea of that kind of sound kind of like hokey or cheap or that it doesn't actually work? And you know, I can absolutely relate to that. Obviously, uh, for those of you who don't know, not only was I a therapist for twelve years and all that before I started coaching, I've gone through my own healing process as a love addict and a love avoidant, and been in twelve step meetings and all that. So I absolutely, like, I've been on all sides of the chair and everything. So when I say these things, I'm not I'm talking with you because I understand, and so I can say that I fully understand and fully relate to having that experience, if anyone else can relate to that um, and saying, and kind of like that idea that that internal validation is not as juicy and rich as the external. And I can say it is definitely a different, what do I want to say? A different quality, but it does not cancel out what it feels like when you can come not only come into yourself, but pull in your connection to God and to source to to masculine energy, to divine masculine energy if you're someone who that is what you're wanting to connect to. When you're able to not be as dependent on someone else validating whether or not how you're showing up or what you're doing or some of your quirks or your interests or your accomplishments are really that good because you're validating it within yourself. So that way when other people add on top of that, then it is it is even better. But my point being, it is possible to get to that place where you do feel an adrenaline rush. And for me, here is what I will say about my my own personal journey. For me, it's been me learning how to allow myself to receive that. Because I think for so long, I trained myself that the only... People, again, the only people that it mattered from or that it was most real from is from other people. So it was hard for me to give love to myself and actually feel the compliments I was giving to myself to literally, to physically feel the sensations in my body. The same endorphin, endorphin runs and dopamine runs that I would get from someone else outside of me, validating me, me talking to myself and giving it to myself. It was like, you know, just kind of water running off a duck's back. And so I've really had to do a lot of work to learn how to receive that, to give to myself and to receive it. And so that's how I'm that's how I know that it is possible and that's how I know that I can relate to like you just feel like, you know, kinda of like I've said before, whenever you talk to someone and they're saying they're they're diagnosing your problem and they're just saying you just need to love yourself and you're like, bitch, I do love myself and, and I do all these self love things and it just feels like not only condescending, but also dismissive of what you're actually experiencing and like how that there's an actual roadblock there. Um, I feel like kind of disrespect in and that respect, when people talk about just give to yourself what it is that you want from other people and everything, they can make it sound so simple and not understand that it's not clicking, you know, it's not working. And um, that's why I wanted to talk about it here. And that's why we're going to talk about it later in our workshop. Um, why it's not clicking and how to get through those barriers. And it is trauma and it's you not knowing how, you not understanding that the block is you being able to receive goodness. That is okay for you to really like yourself and to love yourself in that way. One more thing I'll say about this that kind of, you know, I guess it's, it, it goes along with this and I may have kind of hit on it before, but all of your insecurities are projections from other people they are not real. So depending on what your insecurity is, you will make up in your mind that other people feel the same way about you that you feel about yourself. So that you're annoying, that you're too much, that you get on their nerves, that you're too weak, that you're too aggressive, that you are too um, boring, that you are too weird, that you are too successful. You know, for those of us who have some Survivors, survivors guilt and feel like we, it's not safe for us to be successful unless everybody else is as successful as us. It makes us kind of feel some shame and guilt because of, because of trauma from the past that made it so that we had to spread everything that we had to everybody to be equal and fair. Otherwise, my, my privilege and my benefits was painful to somebody else. So we had to learn how to kind of dim our light a little bit. So there's, a, there's like a million and one ways that our insecurities can present and talk to ourselves. But I just wanted to say that your insecurities are all projections. No one no one thinks that. No one thinks that. It's one or two things. First of all, the first one is that they're not real and that, but you feel them so deeply. So you're like, well, they're not real. Like that's what the brain says, but your heart's like, but I know I'm pretty sure People may feel this way about me, or at least a little twinge of it. Like it feels impossible for you to believe that people can truly like you in this area and really enjoy you in this area because you don't do it yourself. So that's the first option. The second option is even if they are real, A, if you have community members who are, you know, talking shit about you or thinking less of you because you are an imperfect person then you need to check your community um, because they their poop stinks too you know like nobody is perfect and for you to be in relationship with, with folks it takes some semblance of acceptance right as long as who you are is not causing them any mental physical emotional financial sexual spiritual danger who cares Who cares? You know, like that is what friendship and relationship is. If it's not impacting them, they can love you for who you are because there are other things in your relationship that they benefit from in your relationship and that you benefit in relationship with them. So no one should be judging you and looking down at you and treating you as you're less than. And if they are, you need to reevaluate that relationship. And then the second thing about that, even if this... These insecurities that you feel are real. It goes back to original point. If you truly accepted and liked yourself and had a different opinion of yourself, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. It would be, oh, there's this quirky thing that I do, or this is a growth area that I have, and oh, this is something that is always going to be true about me, and I've accepted it. and And but you choose to not judge yourself for it. You're just rocking with it, you know, and you amend your life to to to. Factor it in versus resenting that this is a part of yourself. As love addicts, when we do not know, and now we're switching, I'm shifting to talking about in the romantic context, when we do not know how to love ourselves, we can get into relationships where we feel like this other person is kind of doing us a favor by being in relationship with us because we're so crappy and we're so imperfect versus the fact that you're a freaking goddess. You could never feel that way. So that when this person who you feel like is doing you a favor calls you goddess, calls you queen, says that you're so beautiful, says that you're so amazing, even that even that feels like they're doing you a favor because you don't believe that yourself. When what you want is to have your self-love tank so full so that you are more in match and in alignment with folks who adore you, right? Versus the people who, a lot of the people, not everybody. But a lot of people will take advantage of women who have low self-esteem and feel like them being in relationships with these folks because they're so great and they just see how amazing they are, but they don't see how amazing they themselves are. They are very susceptible to being taken advantage of and taken for granted. And a lot of emotional, mental, emotional abuse and neglect that happens will go under the radar again because they feel like they are lucky to be in that relationship. Um, and they just feel so honored or blessed to be chosen by this person. And also there's a lot of fear to leave a relationship because what's a little, you know, scraggly troll like me going to do if I go back out on these streets, no one's going to want me, you know, so because you don't want yourself. So it is very, very important for you to do this self love work so that you can get relationships that you deserve. Okay, looking at time, let me go ahead and go on to number two. So the second thing that I want you to know when it comes to non-attachment slash detachment versus avoidance is that non-attachment does not mean giving up. Non-attachment does not mean giving up. It means that you are secure no matter what happens because you have you. So let me talk about this in the context of trauma and the fight, flight, and freeze response. So as we all know, when we are triggered, we will either do a fight or flight slash freeze response. Okay. So either we're going to do a lot of things to try to protect ourselves, or we're going to play di- play dead, go numb, and run away. So the fight response looks like what I was saying at the beginning of the episode, or at least with the first point, which is creating a whole lot of distractions. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight against this fear of disappointment or rejection or things not working out that I really yearn for and crave for and hope for. I'm going to distract myself. I'm going to anticipate it not happening. I'm going to say I don't care. I'm going to sabotage chances for it to come and kind of so that it doesn't hurt me. It's a lot of active movement to push away something that may harm you, right? Whether or not it's a verbal pushing away or a mental or physical pushing away, you're actively pushing it away. Sometimes people will go towards, they think they're going towards non-attachment in this balanced way, but really they're going towards the flight or freeze response, the play dead response, which looks like giving up. It looks like okay. This really big thing that I really want and that I crave and that I desire and that I really yearn for to happen is not happening. So I'm just going to kind of give up the hope that it could even be possible for me. Not just that I don't care. When when it's the first one, whereas I don't care, it's like you know what I want it. But if it comes, then you know I'm just going to live my life and act like I'm completely fine without it. But really, you're kind of like you know. Metaphorically, kind of looking over your shoulder, hoping that it's there. But you're like, I don't care. I'm just like, I'm a cool girl. Like, I, I really don't need that. But really, you is still there. But it's your defense mechanism trying to protect you from the fact that it doesn't feel like it's physically present in front of you. Non attachment in this way, as far as giving up, looks like I've accepted that this is not my fate. So when you imagine it, it is like a pit in your stomach. It's like a deep sadness. It's like a loss it is well I guess it's just it's impossible for me or it's just not possible possible for people like me or I'm just not good enough or I'm just not you know and I've already listed several variations of what that good enough is whether or not it's based on your looks or your size or your background or your financial status or you know the mistakes that you've made or that you feel like you've made what other people have said about you whatever it is you feel disqualified from what it is that you, Want and desire, and so you just kind of give up, and that is not non-attachment. That is still your trauma. That is still a trauma, trauma, trauma-based reaction, I should say. That is trying to get you to um, avoid the pain of continuing to hope and continue to to have desire for something to be different for you, only for time and effort to pass and for nothing to change, and so. Like I said at the beginning, this is kind of where the double bind comes in at. When I hope, I'm in pain. When I don't hope, I'm in pain. So what What am, what am I supposed to do? So if you are able to come home to yourself by way of seeing that you are all right no matter what happens, then that feels more... Um, that has more assurance in it versus the giving up. So, what's an example of what that looks like? It can look like the practice of gratitude, and there are so there are so many things that we know about and that we hear about that you know we may have done and it may have been helpful in the moment, but it feels so, it feels almost too simple for these huge, big holes and gaps that many of us may have in different pockets of our life, or at least in our heart or in our, in our spirit. Like, especially when I use words like yearning and craving and like really like desiring something truly in your heart. Um, Someone saying something like practice gratitude is again, something that may make you want to curse at them. Like, really? Like this is like, thank you, but this is real pain. But these simple things, and the same way that when people talk about a lot of medications out there, and you know, you'll take some freaking herbs or vitamins and it gives you like it's like it's the it was been the missing piece that your body has needed versus something that was physically manufactured. Like you could keep doing the thing that is physically manufactured, but sometimes some of us just need to. Take some more magnesium and we need to eat some more green leafy vegetables and that helps. And for any medical professionals out there, I am not giving medical advice. I'm just trying to give an example that sometimes we can overcomplicate or think that what we need is something that is so big and outlandish and what we need is something that is right in our own backyard. And um, if we start with the basics and then build from there, add on from there, Sometimes we may find that our solution is closer than we thought it would be, or using the basics helps it so that these other things actually take root. So if gratitude is not enough, then whatever bigger thing I need to do outside of this, I'm already feeling more self-assured and I'm already um, feeling a little bit more safety within me so that um, what I want doesn't feel so far away or the pain doesn't feel as intense. So gratitude in this context is a great um, antithesis of this fear of disappointment and pain because what that emotion is about is about lack. is about lack, deprivation, something not being there. And gratitude is about reminding you of how much you have. And if I do non-attachment by way of just giving up and I kind of drift off into that despair, that despair tells me is never going to get better. And this is my lot in life. And my world goes from being maybe in some type of technicolor to becoming more muted and gray. You know, People talk about the sad beige colors. Our life just becomes a sad beige and we're just going through the motions. And gratitude helps bring some color back into your life. If not fully add the rainbow back to it, because you realize how much you have versus not what you don't have. And when you're able to do that, it doesn't make, it doesn't mean that you don't long for certain things, but it means that there's not this juxtaposition of there, here's this giant chasm of my life and there's nothing to compare it to versus here's this really big desire that I have and look at everything else I have in my castle while I hope for or wait for this thing to happen. But if it doesn't happen, I'm in a fucking castle. You know, like, like I, I, I'm good, right? And so it's about shifting your focus and shifting your focus to the castle within versus the external of what is not there. And again, the last thing I will say, I'm kind of rushing through this now because of time and I don't want this episode to be super long. But the third thing that I want to share about this topic when it comes to non-attachment and um, detachment versus avoidance, is I want to kind of circles back to the first one, but it is, it's okay to really, really like yourself. It is okay to really, really like yourself. I have not done a formal survey about this and I actually haven't really sat and thought about this. So I'm just about to speak off the cuff and if I need to clean it up, then I will. And if I don't, Think about cleaning up this episode. Maybe I'll say something about it later. But I don't, I think anyone who struggles with love of love addiction was never told that it was okay to really, really like herself. I think that she, we, were always treated as if we were a burden or that love and acceptance was conditional. But for us to truly, truly like really, really like ourselves. Like like everything about us from our hair and our skin to our smile, to our toes, to our height, to our curves, to our um, indentations, to again, the way that we think and the way that we talk and um, our our opinions and our values and our needs and our desires and our yearning and our um, passions. And if we were told that You are fucking fabulous and it's okay for you to think that you're the most fabulous person in the room because you actually are not as like a defense mechanism. And like, I'm walking around with my head turned up because if I, I need to have this bravado and fake it till I make it. No, you don't need to fake it because you're freaking amazing. But for you to be the one who's leading the charge saying, I'm freaking amazing. Can y'all, and do y'all believe how amazing I am? No one told us that it was okay for us to do that. No one modeled that for us. No one gave us permission to do that, right? Because all of our focus has always been on someone and something outside of us versus truly, 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 truly um, becoming that girl and knowing that we're that girl and being really, really grounded in that, Um, in an area, again, in every area and facet of our life. And there may be some of us, like I mentioned before, who there there are some areas of our life that we are very untouchable when it comes to that. Like No one can ever get on me and tell me that I'm less than in this area of my life. I know exactly who I am here. But in these other areas, that's kind of where the riffraff can get in. That's where the negative thoughts can get in and kind of settle and make me doubt myself. So I just want you to know that you don't need to keep yourself humble. You don't need to keep your dreams uh, small or contained or limit your sense of humor. You do not need to hide in any of these ways. And you do not need to apologize for being your biggest fan. And when you are focused on your own self-romance and when you're focused on not having the opinions of others, you know how to let yourself shine in all these contexts. You know how to not only let yourself be seen by other people, but remember our relationship with ourselves is the most important. So can you see yourself? Can you turn to see yourself and celebrate yourself truly? Or are there roadblocks that get in the way by way of trauma, right? And so that's always one of the things that I really come back to. There's a difference between logically knowing this stuff and making promises and saying, "Okay, great, I'm going to go in my journal and I'm going to write about this," and da 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 da. But then the application can get really hard, and so that's why we have to do the trauma work behind it and put them both together. It's not enough. My first, my first um, coaching program years ago, it was called the Trauma Recovery School, and so the curriculum was different than the way the recovery school is now. And I literally. Thought and I think I even said in the ad I had an ad on. um, I was like a guest on the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, and then I also had an ad around that time. So if you want to hear it, it may still be there. I don't. I I think it was a baked in ad. I don't think it was an ad that they only they run for a minute and then they take out. So it might still be there. But I think one of the things that I said in there is that it's not just enough to know about your trauma and know where it comes from and everything. Um, that's a huge part of it. But if you don't know how to actually change these patterns you've been doing your whole life, then it kind of makes the progress process a little bit harder because you're kind of learning as you're going. You don't know what mistakes you're making as you're making them along the way. And so it can kind of get frustrating. Even even though you're on the right path, um, you can feel, feel like you have a lot of false starts. And then on the other side, it's not enough just to have the skills, just to have the people who are telling you, okay, do this, say this, love yourself, go out there, make eye contact with five people, smile, you know, put yourself out there, find a hobby, find a social club group, go out there. You know, all this is the right advice. It's absolutely the right advice. Um, But actually doing it, when making eye contact is deeply terrifying to you because of the thoughts that come up for you or what happens in your body, when you have a deep fear of a rejection and abandonment based on feeling not good enough in certain places or previous bullying trauma that's happened to you um, because you don't really know exactly who you are and where you fit in. So even though you're going out finally for hobbies you've always wanted to do, kind of feeling like an imposter or feeling like what I hear a million times a day, I feel like, is that you feel like you're too old to be learning about these things. And I hear this from women of all ages, but feeling like you have lost time. And so that insecurity gets in your head. And so it kind of prevents you from putting yourself out there. You know, like there's so many ways that our trauma and everything can get in the way of really great advice. And so so I do my podcasts and my workshops and, you know, my courses and everything that I do because I know there has to be an integration of both. That one is not good without the other. And then for me, from what I've seen in my healing process from love addiction and love avoidance, both on all sides of the chair, from being in 12-step meetings to being folks therapists and being folks coaches and then having people coach me, doing it on your own, healing an intimacy disorder on your own, literally, it's an oxymoron like i'm going to work on my problems connecting to others by myself like that just it just doesn't work out and you don't when well, you can't see what you don't know right like you don't know what you don't know and you really really need outside neutral perspectives to identify things for you because you may think something is completely normal, because it's what you've been doing for decades and not realizing that that is what's been getting in your way. So that's why I do these workshops. And that's why I'm always, I'm constantly having resources here, because I know that these are the things that we really need to move forward. Okay. So this was a jam packed episode with a whole lot of information, Um, our first episode of the series. And so, like I said, um, at the end on January 20th of this month. Well, I guess that is this month. September, September, Saturday, January 20th at 10 a.m. CST virtually. So everybody can attend, no matter where you are, no matter where you live. Um, we are I am doing a workshop on building a uh, self-romance and feeling fulfilled within. And we're gonna be talking about all the things that I've talked about here, all the really juicy stuff that I'm gonna be talking about in the next two episodes as well. Um, and just really going deep, working through these things and healing them. Um, Of course, recovery school students, um, make sure you check out your student portal um, for your own student access as well. Um, Whenever I make an announcement about something, always make sure you check that if you're a recovery school student or alumni um, and just to see if there's something for you there. And if not, feel free to email us, um, but make sure you check for that. But you can register your seat by going to blackgirlsheal.org/2024. The numbers two zero two four. And not only can you download the guide, you can register for this upcoming workshop in in January, or you can work sh- register for any of the other workshops. Like if you're if you're like, okay, this is great, but I really want this Mama Trauma workshop um, because we're taking not only the concepts I've taught about before, but some other things as well. You can register for that. If you're waiting out for this money trauma workshop and you're like, that's the one I want, you can register for that. If you want to do the one with men and talk about no contact and trauma bonds and all that stuff, you can do that. Or you can bundle all the workshops together um, and get that discounted price. So whatever works best for you, you can register by going to blackgirlsheal.org slash 2020. And that's it. And and yes, you will get a replay and you will have an opportunity to submit a question if you cannot make it for some reason and I will answer it at the workshop. um, So you will still have the ability to participate and get support with whatever issue comes to mind for you in these areas um, and take it with you and keep it, keep it forever. All right, that's it y'all. I'm sending y'all so much love and I look forward to seeing you next week. That's it. Talk to you soon as always. Take care of yourselves for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies.